Where's a good station? Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm joined with my good buddy, longtime friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. You're right there with us. We're all here, one happy community, one happy family. Amen. With, with all the guard dogs out there. All the guard dogs out there. And the guard dogs are sending in some question, questions these days. Uh, we've got quite a few on our list. I think maybe we, we should go over two of them. Let's try two. We did one. Yeah, we did one last time, but it needed a whole podcast. But we've got Keith, who wants to know about Psalm 23, which is a famous psalm. It's a famous psalm. If you've ever been to a funeral, you've heard the song. We're going to make the case that it shouldn't be a funeral psalm. It should be an everyday psalm. It really is. It's good news. Yeah. I believe we should be able to combine that with Paula Grace's question, which is about John 15, 1 through 9. She wants to know about abiding in Christ, where Jesus says, you know, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Those nine verses, which are so revelatory. They, oh my gosh, they, they, they are the key to the new covenant. They they change life as we know it. Abiding is the apropos word for being in the new covenant. Yes, it is. It is the moral to the story of the Bible as a whole. It literally is the moral to the story to the Bible as a whole. Abide in me, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So you have to do the things you want to do through me. That's what the Bible was all set up and constructed to teach us a dependency a dependency so i believe we can do those two questions it's the tree of life versus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil yes it is it's the tree of depending abiding versus the tree of you do it obeying commandments performance performance yeah okay so where do you want me to start bill let's start in psalm 23 maybe I think it's six verses maybe you can read all six okay I'm going to read Psalm 23 starting in verse 1 a psalm of David the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing he takes me to lush pastures he leads me to refreshing water 
He restores my strength. He leads me down the right path for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil and my cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all my days and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. Wow. You know, the first thing without knowing anything is like, oh yes, sure, that's easy for King David to say. He's living in a palace and living in luxury. He's got palace guards protecting him. And yeah, I'd say that too. It turns out that's not the case if you know a little bit of background about Psalm 23. There's a helpful thing you can do when you're reading the Psalms. A lot of times the first line will give you a a glimpse into what he's going through, his mindset when he's writing this Psalm. Psalm 3 is one that comes to mind where it says David wrote this Psalm while he was running from Absalom who was trying to kill him, who had already put an ad campaign uh, slandering David and turn all of Israel against David. He was a wanted man. Yeah. Well, it's the same here in verse 23. He's been hiding in caves. He's in the valley of the shadow of death. Death is at his... People are wanting to kill him. Exactly. now while he's writing this psalm. That's what he means. I'm in the shadow of the valley of death. He means... People are literally trying to kill me. They're chasing me down, and I'm running from them. I get up and do this day after day after day, and I fear for my life. That's what he means by being in the shadow of the valley of death. He's running for his life. He doesn't have a credit card. He doesn't have any palace funds doesn't have a king's salary anymore. He's got nothing. No, and Paul and Absalom have sworn to kill him. Yeah, both of those guys want his head. Yes. And then he says, I lack nothing. So either he's completely delusional or he knows something. Right, because he should be saying, I have nothing. By sight, he has nothing. Nothing. But we live by faith. He doesn't have any money to get anything. No. He has, I think he actually fled in sackcloth. He's got nothing. That is nothing. No provisions. Yet he says, what? I I lack nothing. Does yours have capital L, capital O? Yeah. The Lord Lord is my shepherd. Yes. Okay. Whenever you see the Lord in all capitals... It is the name Yahweh, we pronounce it, Y-H-W-H. It's the name that in Exodus 3, Moses was given by God. He said, who shall I tell the people sent me? What is the name? What is your name? And he said, I am that I am. Yes. 
He so, is the I am. David is said, saying, the I am is my shepherd. The I am is my shepherd. Now, the, the great thing about the word I am, and, and here's how we reread it. We say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. But we say, right now I lack nothing, but I, I'm, I think God in the future is going to... Make me walk through green pastures when I yeah. die or something like that. Yeah, and eventually he's going to come come to my rescue. Yes. But it is on record here. Yeah, but this is all present tense in David's He song. says, I lack nothing now. Today. Today. I, I lack nothing. Though I sit here with nothing, I lack nothing. Everything's going to be provided for for today. I'm going to get everybody fed. The horses are going to be fed. It's going to all work out, and none of us are going to be hungry, even though you can't see it, because by sight, I have nothing. So he says he takes me to lush pastures, and if you're a sheep, that's where you graze. That's mm-hmm. where you feed. That's provisions. Yes, he leads me beside still waters or refreshing waters. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right paths, paths of righteousness for the sake of his reputation. Reputation is on the display here. Or God's reputation. Is God on the is line. glorifying himself by providing him these needs each and every day. Every day the Lord leads him to some form of lush pasture, to some form of refreshing water. In some way, the I am restores David's strengths and leads him down the right way to go so Absalom and Paul can't catch him. And he's doing this all for the sake of his name, his glory. He he glorifies himself every day by providing for David, who has absolutely nothing, everything. He provides everything. That's why David can say, I lack nothing. Because every day, somehow it all works out, even though it's like David's in a bubble. And he's at the banquet with the father every day, even though outside of the bubble, the government's falling down the there's new wars, there, the economy's going flat, there's COVID, there's there's all these cares of the world, but David is literally in the bubble with God, which is the same as feeling righteousness, peace, and joy. He's literally in the kingdom of heaven with God. It's like a type or shadow of what Jesus taught us in the New Testament. It is, and he's constantly under the threat of dying. That's what that's what it means when he says, in the valley of the shadow of death. Something shadowing you means pretty close by. Yeah. If you're in the shadow of death, shouldn't you fear? Logically. What does he say? I fear nothing. I fear no danger. I, I fear no danger. <laughs> and we would check this guy into the 45th Street Mental Institute. We'd say, bro, (laughs) you got a lot of people trying to kill you. You got nothing. Yet you say, 
I lack nothing. Yeah. And I fear no evil. Yeah. Except we believe in God too. And we believe that our situation looks the way it looks, but God will provide for us each and every day. And we will literally sit at a banquet during the day with all this going on and eat well. Yeah, just amazing. So he says, the I am is my shepherd. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Never been on a farm, but decided to look this stuff up. But uh, a shepherd, what's that, that book thing called, this crook? Yeah, right. It's a big source of encouragement for a sheep. They, they would use the crook if he, the, the lamb fell in a hole or... Anytime he got in danger, they could rescue him with the uh, crook. I'm doing a circle with my hand and demonstrating get on the audio only podcast. Sorry. You have visually made a very good crook. Thank you. A very good crook. It's something to lean on. If you're a sheep, and take my word for it, I read it. If you're a sheep, the rod and his staff are a source of comfort, not a source of fear. We always think the rod as something he's going to whack the sheep over the head but it turns out it's it's not a rod was i think in leviticus what was that it was how they counted the sheep they were to go walk under the shepherd's rod an instrument to show that you count it's not like 47 sheep each sheep walked separately under the rod and was counted that means you belong to me. When you see the shepherd's rod, you the sheep knows he has a shepherd. And his shepherd is out there. It says to lay down his life for his sheep. David was a shepherd. His flock was attacked by, I believe, a bear and a lion. Exactly. His sheep feared no evil. Not because they were big and bad and tough. What comes to mind was, uh, who said they actually were the good shepherd? Jesus. Jesus. In John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. Right. The same word. Mm -hmm. I am. Ego I me. Ego I me. In fact, that ego I me, there's a few places it's, and it's our next question too about the, the true vine he says I am the true vine that's the question we have next but there was a few times where Jesus said I am he said John eight twelve, I am the light of the world in John eight fifty eight, he said this famous statement and everyone knew what he said because they picked up stoning. the stoning he said before Abraham was I am, and I know a lot of translations say I am he or I, I exist. It's ego I me. It's ego my me, the name of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The name that he says, the I am is my shepherd. Yes. The I am is the light of the world. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I have come so that they have may have life and may have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Ego I me. 
It's the same exact word. And listen to this one. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say the name of the Father and also the name of the Son and also the name of the Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have the same name, and it is I Am. In John 14, he says, When I go away, and I will send another comforter. Another is translated two different ways in the New Testament. There's another, a different one, another one. Of a different kind. Of a different kind. But there's also another of the same exact kind. And the one they chose to illustrate in the net notes, which you know we love the net notes here. When I go away, I will send another comforter meaning another of the same kind, meaning the Holy Spirit, who is what also called the I Am, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. Who are all called the The I Am. Am. And then Jesus says, and lo, in the King James, or check it out, I am with you, always even to the end of the age or the end of days or in David's case he ends up Psalm 23 I will dwell in the house of the I am all the days of my life meaning what his good his shepherd is with him all the days of his life every day he he has the I am And remind me to speak up about that when we get to John 15, when Jesus is saying, abide in me, because it it relates to Psalm 23. Okay. I'll read Psalm 23, 1 through 6 again, and, and I'll emphasize the I am. Psalm 23, verse 1. The I am is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Why doesn't it say you will be with me or you were with me? Because he's the I am of the moment. He's the I am of the moment. Of every moment. Psalm 23, 4 is actually present tense. Yes. And it has to do with you are with me. How many times do we say the Lord will be with me? Mm-hmm. And we neglect to think, to realize that he's with us now. That's why that name is so important. Yeah, you could say. relevant. This one is just either... 23.5 is either delusional or it's telling us something. And if we get this Psalm 23.5, I think it's the key to living the victorious Christian life. It, it becomes the end of fear and it becomes the end of anxiety 
and it becomes the source of your life. Have, have we made the point that this is not a good situation yeah, for David? Yeah, we, we didn't make that. By sight. But reading this, it, it sounds like it's a guy that just lives a, a sheltered, perfect life. Nothing happens to him. But it's not the case. But it is the reality that he lives in a perfect life. Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. Isn't that the Holy Spirit? Yes. My cup is what? Completely. Completely full. Doesn't that mean the same as lack? Nothing. Nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Surely your goodness and faithfulness, that word goodness in, in the Greek is where we get our word gospel from. The, the good news. Is, I did is, not know that. Your faithfulness. How many times do we think that it depends on our faithfulness and our faith? Mm-mm. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but the life that's lived in the body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. So this good news, this goodness, and his faithfulness will pursue him when he's obedient, right? Mm, No, always. Well, not the bad days. Yeah, the bad days. All the good days. All the bad days, too. And I will live in the Lord's, the I Am's house, dwelling place, what? For the rest of my life, for the rest of my days. All days are good days, and all days are His faithfulness. And every day, when the I Am in the moment, in the now, the I am as your shepherd, his rod and your staff comfort you. You know he's your protection. You know he's your shield. You know he's your provision. You know he's your protector. You know he's everything you need in the moment. And it's never I will be. It's always I am. Jesus said the two biggest waste of times are thinking about tomorrow and hating your enemies. This is what David is dealing with in both cases. It's a waste of time to hate your enemies. It's a wa- It would have been a waste of time to, to tell God how much he hated Absalom. That was a confliction because that's his actual son and he didn't hate him. But Saul, he could have easily hated him. He could have killed him. Saul just... He was playing the harp one day and he just threw a spear that just stuck in the wall and was but he he doesn't he doesn't waste time on hating Saul. He doesn't waste time on trying to stop Saul. He puts all his time and all his focus on praising what the I am and just I guess you could say just meditating on how good he's got it. That's how he could come up with ludicrous sayings like, I lack nothing. Yeah, because his cup is full. And you relate that to do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at that. Yeah, my cup is full. Yeah. It doesn't say 
someday. No. It didn't no. be. No. He, he was filled with the Spirit. That's why he acted the way he did. That's why he was always courageous with the lion and the bear and the giant. And he always did what he was supposed to do. That's why he was always faithful to Paul. Even though Paul was trying to kill him, he just acted in perfect obedience, but it was because his cup was full. His head was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was under the control of the Holy Spirit that whole time. And it's going to come out a lot more when we do John 15. Let me just throw a bunch of scriptures out there in, in a big mishmash kind of way to see if you can get a picture of what the Bible's always been trying to tell us in Psalms is a part of when he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord and I will eat in front of my enemies and everything will be okay as if David was in a bubble and the rest of the world couldn't get him because he was in the Lord. He was in the house of the Lord. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 14? Don't worry about a thing. I'm going to the Father and he, we're going to build many dwelling places. Exactly, and yeah. Then he says, and the Spirit will come to you and be in you. And then he says, in that day, in verse 21 of John 14, he says, in that day, you will know that I am in you and you are in me. You are in the house of the Lord and the Lord is in you. He has made his house you. You are the dwelling place of the Lord. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Lord and he dwells in you by his spirit? 1 Corinthians three seventeen. He dwells in you and you are his house and there's the idea that you dwell in him and you are in God's house where nothing can attack you or get you. You're under God's protection. In Psalm 23, that's the idea he's bringing out that I am in the Lord. I abide in the Lord. I trust in the Lord no matter what I see going on. And every day he's going to provide my needs. And every day somehow I'm going to survive. And every day I'm going to eat. I trust in him and not in my own strength. We don't trust in horses. We don't trust in chariots. But we trust in the name of our Lord. In the Lord we trust. And it's a picture in Psalm 23 of being in the house where God protects you even though the house is sitting in the middle of the raging storm. You are in that house because you are in God. That's what Jesus says in John 15. Abide in me. Do you see the connection? Abide in me is the same thing as David saying in Psalm 23, I abide in the house of the Lord. Abide in me is all the same picture Abide oh, wow. in Christ and not your yes. own performance and everything will be okay once you get on the, the performance treadmill. Yeah, once you get on the performance treadmill, it's a different story. It is, and that makes so much sense. Now I, now I understand why Psalm 23 is the funeral psalm because 
that's what I thought, that it's bad, but when I die, I'll get a mansion in the sky. That's not what the house of the Lord is. It's not something you die and then you get. It's now. I am now in the house of the Lord. He says that all the days of my life. Unfortunately, they translated in such a way that it seems like when I die, then I'll dwell with you forever. it's, It's all the days, not forever. All the days that I'm here on earth. I'm, I'm dwelling in you. You're my abode. Yes, I'm abode. yes. And that's what Jesus came from heaven to earth to say. Didn't he say, I came to preach the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is right here at hand. The kingdom of God is near you. Didn't he say the kingdom of God is within he, you? He did. The feeling of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is in you and you can feel heaven on earth, which is what David felt even though he was in the middle of turmoil. He felt heaven on earth because he was in the spirit. The spirit of the Lord was dwelling in him and he was in the house of the Lord, meaning he was in the power of the Lord abide in me and I abide in you and you bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing but through me you can do all things abide in me is being said in Psalm 23 and it's said in this next passage that we're looking at John 15 let's go ahead and get at it okay Maybe just one, first one. Okay, you want me to read it? Let's read it through and then we'll go verse by verse. Okay. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so it will bear more. You are clean already because of the words I have spoken to you. You're clean. You're righteous. You're okay with God. You're in good standings. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Meaning, use my power and I will make my power come through you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. David said, I'm in the house of the Lord. I'm under the power of the Lord and I'm living a pretty good life. The same here. Jesus is saying, Remain in me and you will live a pretty good life unless it remains in the vine so that neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me in my power and I put my power through him bears much fruit for Apart from me and my power, you can accomplish nothing. Nada. Not one thing. If anyone does not remain in me, 
he is thrown out like a branch and dries up, and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. If you remain in me and my words are coming out of you, my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done. My Father is honored by this that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples by the Father's power coming through the disciples and glorifying the disciples because he's doing for the disciples things they cannot do for themselves apart from me the disciples can do nothing that is so the first thing he says is what i am yep there's the name of the lord again the true vine now in the old testament there's numerous passages about israel being the vine let me read you one in psalm 80 and they didn't bear fruit they never did They did not abide, and we'll see why they did not bear fruit. Mm -hmm. When it talks about being cut down and burned, it's not talking about some end of time. It was talking about Israel, under their own strength, was planted as a vine and told to produce fruit. Let Let me just read you one of them. There's Psalm 80, Isaiah 5, Jeremiah 2, Ezekiel 15, Ezekiel 17. Ezekiel 19, Hosea 10, and others. Psalm 80, verse 8. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Remember, he did that in the promised land. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. They multiplied. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It grew everywhere. The branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick up pick its grapes? Oars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see, watch over this vine, the roots you, your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised for yourself. So Israel was pictured as the sun and the vine, but not the true sun and not the true vine. Verse 16, the vine is cut down and is burned with fire at your rebuke, your people perish. Didn't he say that? The, the vine that doesn't bear fruit will be cut off and burned down? All through the Old Testament, God was forming a picture that you abide in me and let my power do things for you that you can't do for yourself. Let my power do them because the things that you do in your power, as 1 Corinthians 3 tells us, will produce wood, hay, and stubble and be burned up, the things you do in your power. The things done in God's power are gold, silver, and precious jewels, and they don't burn up. They make it through the fire. What God does counts, 
and it moth can't eat it, it can't rust, it can't be destroyed. What God does lasts forever. What you do doesn't last so long. The Bible has been making that point from the very beginning, from the first page till the last page in Revelation. We can show you all the things about the tree and living life by God's power. It's all pointing in the same way. John 15 is saying the same thing, that what is not done in the power of God who is in you because you were born again counts for nothing. It's burned up. It's burned up. Not you, the works. The works. Not you, the fruit. but the works. Here's another one in Isaiah 5. I will sing for the I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up. It's talking about God. In Israel, he cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a cup, a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. So Israel was planted. God was the vine dresser. My father was the vine dresser, but they didn't bear fruit. He, right. he looked for good grapes. He looked for good grapes, but he looked for good grapes in human performance because that's what the covenant was about. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will please the Lord. And Joshua and Joshua 24 says, you can't. He's too holy. You'll be a witness against yourself. And from Joshua 24 till the New Testament, all you see is the futility of Israel trying to be the true vine and bearing fruit. They couldn't do it in their own human capabilities. It's amazing how, I, to me, how confidence works in people. You, you see, people have all this confidence and you wonder why would that guy have confidence? And you see people that don't have confidence and they're able to do great things. Well, it, it works. The, it's a spiritual law, so to speak. When your confidence is not in yourself, but you do have confidence in the Lord, you're able to do, to do great things. It's why that, that verse makes sense. doesn't make sense if you think of it as you, but where it says, when I am weak, I am strong. And it should say, we think, when I am weak, he is strong, but it doesn't. It's recognizing your ability to do nothing apart from him is your strength. Your weakness is thinking that if I commit myself and try harder in my own strength to produce fruit, that becomes our strength, which ends up becoming the lesson we need to learn. That's why law preceded grace. Because you have to let a person try and fail to fully appreciate their inability to do it. So Jesus is giving us in John 15 to the secret to producing fruit. And it's not obedience to commandments, as we'll see.
Right. No, he, he told us it is, and it's the moral to the story. The whole Bible was set up and showed for 2,000 years how Israel tried to please God in their own human performance and failed miserably. Then Jesus came and said, I'm making a new covenant, and in this new covenant, I want you to abide in my strength and let my strength flow through you. For apart from that, you, you've already proved for 2,000 years that you can't do anything. So that is the message in a nutshell. We in the 21st century need to grab a hold of is that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Which th these are his two commands he gives there, which, but he says, what? If you keep my commandments, you are my friends. And his only two commandments are what? Abide in me and remain or abide in my love. That's it. They're not telling you to bear fruit. They're telling to depend on the Spirit. That's what it's telling you. It really is. In a nutshell, it's that simple. And we take it to places that it was never meant to go. It is that simple. Abide in the power of me and abide in the power of my love. Exactly, Gardog Steve. The, the commandments are in the context of what he's saying. Abide in me and abide in my love. Abraham was told to slay Isaac. That was a command. He was told not to slay Isaac. Which one should he obey? Exactly. <laughs> the one in the context of the one that counts. And Jesus is talking about bearing fruit. And he says, in order to bear fruit, here's two commandments. Abide in me and abide in my love. Apart from that, you can do nothing. That's the commandments he's saying to obey. Yeah. And Not the Old Testament 600 and how many is it? Right. And so many of us just see the word commandment and go, oh, there we go. There's the whole Bible now belongs commands. to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's not. It's so. not. It's to abide in him because he's the only one who can get it done. With that said, um, do you want to close in prayer or you want me to? or Up to you. Okay. Father God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You made it so simple. Trust in you, abide in you, remain in you, depend on you, and depend on your love. Abide in your love. You are our I am. You are the true vine. You are this good shepherd. You take care of us. We can live in that moment by moment by moment. We never need to think about the future and we never need to dwell on the past. We can live our life every moment of our life in the now and the I am. Teach us to abide in, in you. Teach us to remain in you and so we can bear much fruit. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name, the I am, that we pray. Amen. Love Amen. you guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Love you. Good night.